Hey everybody, this is Marika with Seattle Pet Collective and I'm here with Holly Cook of Holly Cook Photography and new host, co-host. Yay. Yay. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. We are here to introduce your episode. Will you tell me about your guest? I'm so excited. So this is my first podcast episode. Um, and my first guest was Donna Frint from Project Canine. Um, my book project that I have just finished, um, Project Canine is the recipient of my funds. So they're my charity. Ooh, yeah. Shout out your book real quick. Yeah. Okay. So my book is called Send Me, Working Dogs of the Pacific Northwest. And it features over 70 dogs um, who are serving in the Pacific Northwest in various capacities. Um, and it's available for sale on my website. I love it. What's your website? Oh, um, www.hollycook.com. Two C's in the middle. Love it. Um, yeah, you can't, you. you can't mention book project and not actually tell us what it is. Yeah. Because, I just yeah. assume the world knows. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually, probably a lot of people do know about it, yeah. but we're going to mention it anyway. Um, okay, thanks. Okay, so I want to know, why did you ask Donna to be your first guest? Um, partly because Donna is one of the first people in Seattle who took a chance on me as a photographer. Um, I had emailed several um, working dog charities in Seattle and she was the one that responded and gave me a chance. And we have built an amazing relationship over the past year. And I am so excited about the work that she does. And I love her passion for the work that she does. And I really wanted to get her story out. I love it. So tell me, one of your favorite things from your conversation with her? Her passion. Um, her passion comes through when she's talking about what she's doing. Also the sadness that she's not able to, um, well, the working dogs aren't able to work right now. The therapy dogs aren't able to work right now. Um, so she came up with this really cool and innovative idea um, to get the dogs in front of the people that miss them. And she's excited about it, um, but it's her passion. I love it. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, thank you so much for jumping in and doing an incredible interview. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun and I look forward to many more. Awesome. All right, you guys enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Hi everybody, this is Holly with the Seattle Pet Collective in Seattle, also owner of Holly Cook Photography in Seattle, and I'm here with Donna Frint from Project Canine. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Holly. It's good to hear your voice. Oh, it's so nice to see you, like not Me in too, person, yes. but at least I get to see your face, so Great. that's awesome. <laughs> so Donna, you are involved with uh, an organization called Project Canine here in Seattle. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So Project Canine is a 501c3 nonprofit 
that was founded in 2007. So we've been around 13 years now. And it is, uh, the purpose of the organization is certifying uh, therapy dogs to do outreach in the community and visit with people who would like some emotional comfort and support. Okay, and I'm assuming because of COVID right now, you guys are not working. Yeah, unfortunately, we're unable to visit because we it is an in-person process and really no way to adhere to the six-foot distance rule. Yeah. Um, and it's really, you know, we visit with the most vulnerable population. So we're in facilities like, you know, elder care is our number one requested facility, um, but we're also in hospitals, hospice, places where people are terribly vulnerable. So any risk is not, is right. we can't do that. Safety is our number one core value and our number one priority for our visitors, our dogs, and our handlers. So we're on pause for the foreseeable future. Got it. Do you have, um, are you doing anything in place of the in-person visits? Yeah, so we're working on a couple of different things. The first thing that we've launched is an on-demand virtual therapy dog visit library. Oh, um, tell us about that. Videos. Yeah, it's a selection of videos of different dogs um, that is on our YouTube channel, which is, you know, Project Canine Org. It's youtube.com, Project Canine Org. And um, if you go to the uh, video list on our YouTube channel. Right now we have 11 different dogs that we've created videos of where you can kind of get to know that dog, see their life. Um, the videos are super fun and we're adding a new dog every Friday for, oh. for foreseeable future. So um, we're really excited about it. We've been getting some fun feedback and the nice thing is that um, we've received requests in the past for situations where we're not able to visit for different reasons and now we have this video library where somebody whoever they are can always see our dogs and always get a smile oh that's amazing so how well, we're really happy about it too because research has shown that even just looking at pictures of dogs online really raises um people's kind of emotional status and feelings so we know that there's still a therapeutic benefit even looking at the dogs and not being able to see them in person so it's really worth it for us to pursue that yeah I've, I've seen a couple of um, your virtual visits with uh, some of the dogs that I photographed for my book. And the hardest yep. part is not being able to pet them. Like uh, just, yeah. You, know, you want to scratch their ears and smush their face and you just like, you, you can't. So I'm like doing yeah. this to my computer screen. because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, we know people want to pet the dogs and we, we want to be there. We want to do it. It's just. Yeah. Control right now. So. Yeah. Well, you're doing the best you can in a hard situation and yeah. we appreciate that. Um, so how did you personally become involved with Project Canine? So in 2011, I got my first puppy kind of as an adult raising a puppy and he was an Australian Shepherd and um, he just loved people. And I at first just thought it was him being a puppy and he just didn't ever grow out of it. He, and if you read the breed standard, they are supposed to be stranger averse. Um, he didn't read the manual. He didn't. <laughs> And even one of the last things he ever did before he passed away was practically pin a stranger against a wall trying to meet them. Like he oh. loved strangers and he loved everybody. There wasn't any population that he didn't love. So he could be with babies, he could be with elders, it didn't matter. He was just like, be my friend. He, like, he never met somebody who wasn't his friend. And so I wanted to do it because it really seemed like something he would love doing. And I had read about pet therapy in a Time Magazine article in a medical office once. Oh, and it wow. Me. And so when I got him and I realized this was kind of who he was, 
um, I found out about Project Canine and got certified. And we became an, an active team and we visited at the Ronald McDonald House. And that was our main visit that we did his whole life. Um, but in the process, I knew some of the people involved in Project Canine and they asked me if I wanted to train to be director examiner for new teams. And I thought, sure. And I started with that. And then a board member unexpectedly passed away. They said, oh. well, we're going to be on the board. And I went, sure. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, and then um, several years after that, you know, things were changing, things were growing. And it was time to really have an executive director. So I became the first executive director. I resigned from the board and became the first executive director. And I've been doing that ever since. So wow. the last, it's like nine years have just flown. Yeah. <laughs> my first therapy dog passed away, but you now I have a second one and it's another Australian shepherd from the same family. And oh. Yes, Blue, right? Yes, his name is Blue. Yes, tell us a little bit about Blue. So Blue, like I said, is an Australian Shepherd, and he's related to the one I had before through his mother. Um, and he is only, gosh, what, 15 months now, so he's still quite young. Um, he successfully passed both of our puppy level certifications, which is really unusual, um, just because puppies are babies. They're not really... They're puppies, right. <laughs> yeah, they're just, most of them, it's just not appropriate, but he just was born with the temperament for it, thankfully. Um, and, you know, obviously he's not visiting right now, but he is one of our virtual visit video dogs and you'll end up seeing him on our Facebook page and things. Um, cause he's easy access to, I can get, yeah, exactly. <laughs> take pictures and do things with him easily. Um, but he's, he's a happy guy and he's a fun guy and, um, he's quite different than his, I call it his brother, <laughs> but you know, he's still fun and loves people. And I hope that when we can visit again, I'll be able to get him into a regularly scheduled visit uh, right. so just have to see what happens but and he also serves as a, a mentor dog correct with he other does. dogs yeah so um we as project canine partner with a company called great dog which is based in northgate and they do daycare and overnight play care and obedience classes and they have a retail shop a grooming shop it's kind of an all-in-one one-stop shopping for dogs um and i've been going there for 14 years because i took my first dog there um, that's how I met the Project Canine people. Wow. Um, Project Canine rents space there when they do their programs. So I know them quite well and my dogs go to daycare there. And so both of them, they were able to use for daycare um, temperament evaluations for new dogs because both of them love other dogs and they're quite neutral. Mm -hmm. In the process, we because there's a lot of COVID puppies right now, um, we've realized that Blue is just great with puppies. He loves puppies. He loves oh. all dogs but he's just really good with puppies and he's just always read other dogs really well mm -hmm. and very flexible in terms of adapting his play style. Um, so Great Tug is finally able to do some one-on-one -on -one private lessons because of the kind of where we're at with COVID. Um, so Blue has been doing some one-on-one -on -one mentoring with puppies that, you know, like I said, have been very isolated, kind of restricted because yeah. of COVID. And he's just, he loves it and they have a great time and they just think they're playing but they're learning from each other and he's just really good at it and it's not something he was trained to do it's just him it's just i, I love the thing i love about you um and well, we haven't we haven't met in person very often but we have communicated quite a bit over the past almost year um yeah. and the thing i love about you is that you let the dog show you what their gift is and then yeah. you 
you take that gift and you work with it and you hone it and you use it for good and not for evil. So I love that you, that Blue is still working, even though he can't be out visiting people, he's still helping other dogs who may in turn help other people. So in a way, you're still doing your job. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it kind of all fits into a larger context of just being of service. I mean, yes. I, and I, I really think, especially now, when our stress levels are so high, I, there's not much better than helping somebody else. Like, if you can make somebody else feel better for a minute, mm -hmm. you get back is even so much more than what you give out. I really, really believe that. And so watching Blue or Dash, my previous dog, do their thing, I mean, I will cry right now thinking about it because I'm so moved by their ability. Yeah, it's magic. I do think that it's one of the most important things for any being, but especially for a therapy dog, is it's got to be what they want to do. It has to be natural. You can't force it. And so sometimes people come to us at Project Canine, oh, can you train my dog to be a therapy dog? And it's like, well, sort of, but sort of. not exactly, because if it's not in their nature, you can't put it into their nature. It's like humans being introverts and extroverts. I can't take one who's an extreme extrovert or introvert and turn them into an extreme extrovert. It's, it's not possible and it's not fair. Because right. introvertism and extrovertism are equally valid and valuable. And it just means that we have different preferences and different ways that we can succeed and share gifts. And with therapy dogs, you know, if a dog doesn't inherently want to be with strangers, it's really a lot to ask. And yeah. so one of the yeah. main things we look for is, does this dog really want to do this just in their being? Just, is it natural? And then we work with that. But if we don't see that, that's probably the number one reason we turn a dog down. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's never, be, it doesn't mean they're broken or there's something wrong or you know, they need to be fixed. It's just like, you know, some dogs want to swim and some don't. Some want to mm -hmm. ball and some don't. Some want to be therapy dogs and some don't. Exactly. It's, it's just being realistic and allowing that the dog or, and the person to be who they need to be. So I've just gotten lucky so far with my dog, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think that's true for every working dog breed that's out there or any dog that is working right now in any capacity is that they have to have the passion and the drive for it. Um, yes. and, and it's important to me um, that people understand that dogs who are working are working because they want to. They're not being yes. forced. They're not being right. coerced. They're not being bribed. Well, maybe they're being bribed with treats, but they're not, being, <laughs> like they're not being forced to do something that they don't want to do. And I feel like if you stifle that drive and you stifle that desire to work, it's actually um, not harmful, but it's actually the dog will find a different job. So if you've got a dog at home that decides he wants to be a working dog and you don't give him a job, he's going to go out in the backyard and make himself a job. So you may have holes everywhere or squirrels up the tree or you know, all kinds of different destructive behavior. 100%. I mean, that's the thing is, especially, you know, when you can see it in horses, you can see it in dogs. If they're meant to do something, they're meant to do something. Mm -hmm. And if not, they're not. And trying to make them do it is going to be painful for both of you. But also if it's natural and you prevent it, you don't give it to them. Like you said, it's got to come out somewhere. It has to be yeah. expressed because it's who they are. And especially an animal with a lot of drive, like a mm -hmm. dog with if you don't find a, a positive, healthy way, whether it's search and rescue or truffle hunting or scent work or just lure coursing, whatever, some sport, some activity, something, they're going to be miserable. They're going to make you miserable. Yep. And it's not their fault because 
that's who they are. They're not trying to be bad. They just can't do life the way you've structured it for them. And I think as the human, since we have the power and the choice, we have to find that way to yeah. make it for them. Yeah, I, I believe that's part of our stewardship to dogs when we bring them into our homes. 100%. And that's why it concerns me sometimes when I hear from people, well, because we'll ask them, you know, why did you get this puppy? It's like, oh, he was really cute. And he was really sweet and, you know, whatever. It's like, well, it's good that they're cute and sweet. Right. What did you just get? I mean, did right. you look into it at all? Did you research? Did you understand that they go through this phase really quickly and suddenly you've got an adult, you know, I mean, we had this recently with somebody who brought in a border collie puppy and they got him because he was cute. And Oops. this dog, I mean, even at 16 weeks, you could tell needed to work. Yeah. And they wanted him to be a suburban pet. It, it wasn't going to work out. And it was already turning into a disaster for everybody because it's, that's the thing you really think about it. If you get a border collie, do you really have the lifestyle, the structure, what they need? And it's with any breed, you know, you right. really, I think that's the most important thing is like, look at what you're getting, be sure you can support it and it's appropriate and then commit to it. I mean, yep. there and do what you said you were going to do. You know? yeah. I mean, a border, a border collie puppy with no job will end up hurting all of the children in the neighborhood because it has nothing else to do. If, if, if you're lucky, I mean, this yeah. dog was biting and doing all kinds of things because he just would get over aroused. They didn't know what arousal was. They didn't know oh. how to manage that. And that's the thing is if you're going to get a working breed like that, there are some really basic principles yep. and behaviors that if you don't know about them, I guess you're going to be miserable. The dog's going to be miserable. And unfortunately, typically the dog is the one who pays. Yes. So rehomed a million times, or unfortunately they could even get euthanized and it wasn't the dog's fault. And exactly. I, know, I know puppy pictures are so cute. And I know dogs, you know, that cute factor, it just pulls at your heartstrings, but you got to do more steps. You got to mm -hmm. have. And so like with me having Australian Shepherds, same thing, those are working dogs, but I know for 100% sure that mine are faux working dogs because <laughs> I knew the bloodline and they were bred to be pets. And this particular bloodline no more wants to work than fly. I mean, like, we've had four dogs from this bloodline, and every single one of them wants to be on the couch. They don't, they're not interested in livestock, they don't herd, they don't want to, and I was very, very, very careful about that because mm -hmm. I live in an urban setting, and I don't want the dog to be miserable, and I don't want to be miserable. Yeah, so exactly. I have a working dog, and like I said, they're very much faux working dogs. They, they're like, you know, golden retrievers in, in herding dog skin or something, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're, yes, I have met Blue in person, and he is yep. an amazing creature. There is magic. <laughs> there is magic in him. Um, he's <laughs> so you. he's so sweet and so soft, and his eye like soft in a personality kind of way. Like there's no, he he's just very careful about how he approaches you and how he presents himself to you because he wants to be petted. He wants yeah. you to love him. Um, I think the only animal on earth that has to worry about Blue is a goose. <laughs> well, it's the thing. He has a deep, deep fascination with crows. Oh, ducks. So I'm not sure what the fascination is. He he just watches, but I wonder if he was off leash. What would happen? I'm not going to find out because yeah, I, right. he might overzealously want to play with them. But yeah, he, he like I said, he is more of a bird dog. <laughs> when yeah. he livestock, he's like, meh, not so much. Yeah, they're no. bigger than me. No. Right. Exactly. So now that we've met you and met your dogs and we know a little bit more about how you've become involved in Project Canine, what is your favorite thing about being involved with Project Canine? Oh, God, I tell you that 
I really, really believe that therapy dogs are magic. I think it's real world magic. I'm not using that word loosely. I mean, it's literally magical what happens. And it's hard to describe in words in a way that remotely captures it, Mm -hmm. but it's happening. When you're seeing a therapy dog with a person and the magic is happening, it's like the hair standing. I can't look away and it's a full body experience for Mm -hmm. the people visiting and then me I'm watching you know because I tend to go a lot on on supervised visits and you know things like that so I get to uh enjoy it kind of by association rather than holding the leash a lot um but it's it's really deeply special and you know I mean therapy dogs don't solve problems we can't cure anything we can't fix anyone's life circumstances but that emotional boost is so powerful and so real. And I, it's, I mean, for me, it's just so compelling. I, I it's yes. one of the most compelling things I've ever seen in my life. And I, I, to say I love it is an understatement. Mm-hmm. Do you have um, a specific story that comes to mind when you talk about this? Oh my gosh, so many, it's hard to pick. I, so the, it would be hard for me to describe without choking up. So to everybody listening, forgive me if I kind of, oh, It's okay, um, I'll cry with you. So, Ronald McDonald House I've spent many, many hours at in particular because I visited there with my dog. But also we do therapy dog group events and um, one year at a Christmas event. So at the therapy dog events, we bring in the teams that visit there weekly all together in a group and the families come by and you know the dogs dress up and it's, it's super fun. And at this one Christmas event, there was a woman who had a two-year-old who had brain cancer and was very deeply affected, was having a lot of trouble. Um, And she had wanted to bring her child to see the dogs, but during the week when there was the individual dog visits, whenever her child saw the dogs, the the child would start screaming. She decided one more time, come down to the group. And I was standing there with my dog, Dash, and Dash, this girl was in a stroller, the mom's pushing it. And, you know, Dash kind of interacted with her and she was okay. So the mom was really relieved and she went down to the next dog, which was Misty, which you can know. Oh, yes. And, you know, she was kind of fascinated by Misty. And then she went down to the next dog and this is the one that just, oh. So we had this golden retriever named Rory, who truly was a divine being. Um, And Rory looked at her and he very, very carefully put his head down between her feet and her stroller, brought himself down and looked at her in the face. And this little girl started smiling. And I thought the mom was gonna lose it. We were all gonna lose it because there was just this connection. Like Rory was gonna connect with this little girl and his determination to do it in this beautiful, soft way. And the way he used his body to just get as close to her as possible, but in a way that wasn't he wasn't like wiggly golden how they can get like that mm-hmm. so careful and so gentle and gosh though now there's a tear running uh, down my- um, <laughs> i i i literally had to turn around because i choked up so hard it was again these are things that are hard when you describe them you can't capture the full depth and breadth of the emotion and connection that's occurring in that moment mm-hmm. It's so palpable. All of us still talk about it. And this probably happened six years ago, seven years ago. It was just, it was just something. And after that, you know, this woman was able to bring her, her child to come see the dogs and she did great. 
That's amazing. Rory, like I said, it was just hard to describe, but incredibly visible to everybody who was there. So that that gesture that Rory made towards that little girl may have changed everything for that little girl as far as her attitudes towards dogs. Uh, In my perception and based on what the mom said to me, that experience, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true magic. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. It's just something, you know, and yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, I've seen these dogs go into elder cares where people have dementia and have not really been able to speak properly anymore. They're speaking in that word salad, you know, and I had a woman like that. I mean, her dementia was very advanced and she basically just repeated the word going all the time. And she started to pet Dash and she suddenly said, isn't his fur so soft? Oh my word. Form sentence. And things like that happen. I, I can't even, I mean, like I have a million of them where oh. things like that, where it's just this magical moment and the dogs do it. It's like we're, as handlers, we want to keep it safe. We're facilitating it. We're holding the leash. We're, you know, the right. show, bring the dog back and forth, but it's the dogs. And yeah. it's, it's incredible. It's really it's, incredible. It's their work. It's what they do. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I love that. Um, Okay, I'm just going to change the subject a little bit because we got really heavy right there. (laughs) So you have been in the Seattle pet community a lot longer than I have. Um, I've only been in Seattle for about five years. Um, I come from a small town in Michigan, and it was culture shock for me to move here as far as dogs are concerned. It's like Oz out here for dogs. It's amazing. So what, what do you love about the Seattle pet community? What I love about it is the enthusiasm. I mean, truly people in Seattle love their dogs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have more dogs in the city of Seattle than children. Mm -hmm. And because of the enthusiasm, there's so many resources. You know, there's um, everything from really great pet stores and and boutiques and places that offer wonderful high-end products and, 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 you know, um, ways of supporting your dog. But there's also, you know, so many beaches and parks and locations where we can take the dogs. And um, there's different, you know, ale houses and places that have patios where you can bring the dogs. And it's just, there's just this expectation of kind of this dog friendly Mm -hmm. enthusiasm approach that um, it's just really nice. Like I said, we just have the most enthusiastic community. Yeah. It's great. I agree. About your dog and everyone's like, yay, let's talk about your dog. Yeah. It's not an unusual a situation out here when somebody wants to talk about dogs um, and being a crazy dog lady out here is the norm as opposed to being. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, not. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I think if you came here and said, Oh, I don't like dogs. You probably get a lot of people going, really? Yeah. You don't belong here. Maybe <laughs> it's just far more common. Even people who don't have them typically love them and want to pet yours. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you had any advice for people in the Seattle pet community, what would it be? a really good question. I mean, I think there's a couple of things. If your dog is new to you, please do as much research as you can about what you just brought into your home mm-hmm. and the developmental age and stage your dog is at. Um, if your dog is a rescue, there's a lot of pieces to that. If you've adopted it, you know, it takes six months yep. for a dog to truly adjust to a new home. And it is far more complicated than I think people expect sometimes mm-hmm. and you don't really know dog for truly 
for about six months and they sometimes have quirks because they're nervous and they're trying to adapt. And so really taking the time to understand, did I just get a puppy? What did I get and what age is it? And what does that mean? Or if I adopted, you know, being prepared to give it that space and that support that it needs. Um, and just really, you know, please do things with your dogs. Please don't leave them at home 12 hours a day in a crate while you work. It's yeah. really, or out in the yard for 12 hours a day. It's, it's not who dogs are meant to be. They don't thrive. They don't do well. If, you, if you're in that situation, please look into daycare or dog walking or, I mean, there's just so many support mm -hmm. services. Um, you know, and look into different classes, activities, things you can do together to build your relationship. Um, it just means everything to the dog to be with you and interact with you and, um, you know, find out what your dog loves. Like we were talking about earlier in the conversation, mm -hmm. if you're a ball dog, find great places to do that. If your dog loves to swim, there's places to do that. You know, there's dock diving, there's everything around mm -hmm. here. You know, just please take the time to look into it and really, you know, have adventures and, and, and include your dog in your life. I agree with that 110%. Um, do you have uh, a resource for people or do you know of a resource for people where they could start that journey or start that research about how it can interact with their dog on a better level? Um, well, you know, there's some Facebook groups. Um, I think it's Northwest Dog Events has a listing. Um, like I said, there's different local websites. Um, any obedience school or training facility there you know there's places like zoom room great dog they all have classes zoom room specializes in agility so if you're interested okay. in uh, you know you can google northwest truffle hunting and find that sport if you're interested look up lure coursing you know um i don't really know of one place that has everything in it um but you know like i said either google that activity that you're looking for or google that like i said that class you know, if you, I have an adolescent dog, Google adolescent yeah. dogs and just see what you can find because, you know, and like I said, the Facebook groups have a lot of, you know, word of mouth, hey, this is a great place. So yeah, to the group Facebook groups too. Sounds like a new project for me to put together <laughs> a list of resources for people. For their yeah, I, don't know, I don't know of just one place, honestly. Either, but I also don't know of a list. Right. Like, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking, like a master list or, or even yeah. a place where you could go to look for different um, yeah. resources. So yeah, that sounds like a project for me. Okay, <laughs> so it. now that we've gotten to know all about Project K9, how can we as um, the Seattle Pet Collective and the community in general, how can we support you? What can we do for you? You know, I think there's a number of ways that um, people can support the work of Project K9. So um, one obvious way is through donations, because even though we are, you know, closed, we're still operating. Yep. So we still have bills coming in, you know, our annual insurance bill, you know, our liability insurance is our biggest bill. It's really critical that it's paid and kept up. Um, you know, so we're actually still working a lot. We're just not able to visit. So obviously that's um, something that is incredibly helpful and you know it's easy to do on our website there's a donate button right on the top of the right hand side of the page of our home one, one second down on my my uh computer is dying hold on one sec sorry i'm sorry <laughs> a 
I'm working out of this tiny corner in my bedroom because the home has been taken over by other people who work and I have one plug for five things and I forgot to plug my I forgot to plug it in. Okay. So these are people working at home. <laughs> yeah. Um note to Marika, um, you're gonna have to edit this to start this um in a different place. So um okay, Donna, please continue with the donations. Yeah, so donations is an obvious one. But the other thing is, you know, we're always looking for access to um, places where we can hold our classes outside of Seattle. So I would love to find a location in Puyallup or Tacoma. I would love to find a location farther north in, you know, Everett or Marysville. Um, and also on the east side, either in Kirkland or Bellevue or even Redmond, where we have enough space that we can hold classes when we start again. That's at an extremely affordable rate because mm -hmm. In order to keep the price of our program low, we really don't have money for to pay for rent. And so our partnership with Great Dog, we're at a greatly reduced rate. So if we could get a place that someone would either comp us or, like I said, a greatly reduced rate so that we could expand sound, that's something I'm always trying to figure out. Like, how can we you know, do our classes in other locations? Because we are kind of geographically limited right now. Um, if you have contacts in the publishing industry, the publicity industry, if you know someone in the news or media and you can connect us for an interview or exposure or any kind of PR, um, any articles, whatever, that helps us out a great deal. And we're really grateful to you for including us today because it, you know, getting that awareness out there, it's hard. There's so much out in the media right now. It's hard mm -hmm. to get through and to get noticed. So we're really grateful to you for including us today. Um, pleasure. <laughs> it really but, is. Yeah, and then, you know, we're always looking for contacts and connections. If you know someone at a foundation, if you have a creative idea for a partnership, say you own a bar and you know how to create some kind of event um, or a restaurant or, you know, anywhere where an event could be created and you have those contacts and can kind of set us up and help us link up with people. Um, you know, there's, I think there's so many ways to help um, like that. The one way that people often want to help, which I have to kind of throw out there is not really an option, is we get people saying, I want to volunteer with the dogs. Mm -hmm. But we don't have a pen of dogs. So I think sometimes people envision almost like a dude ranch where, you know, oh, yes. look it up, here's the dog for the day. These are all privately owned pets that live in private homes. So there isn't a location like you know with the dogs that you can come to and help with the dogs right that's my number one volunteer request and I, it doesn't exist so unfortunately that's the typical way people want to help and it's just not it doesn't exist so yeah. um we're really looking for ways kind of outside of that um like i said kind of connections and locations and you know funding and things like that got it okay I will make sure that um, we provide a list of things that you, of, of ways that we can support you um, and get the word out about Project K9. Um, and we really appreciate all of your time and effort. We, um, I personally am fascinated by the work that you do. I am fascinated with the dogs and their drive to work. Um, as some of you know, some of you may not know, um, I am writing a book about working dogs and most of the dogs in my book are from Project K9 because I partnered with Project K9 to do this book and the stories I could tell you are fascinating, fascinating. So I appreciate your time. Um, the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is give me your best meow. <laughs> ah, I'm sorry, I've just never it's been okay. or like a kitty cat meow. Yes. yes. Oh. <laughs> 
Donna, for being on our podcast. We appreciate your time. And this has been Holly with Seattle Pet Collective Podcast and owner of Holly Cook Photography. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.